Hello, I'm Scott Millis, senior pastor here at Living Word Family Church, and I'd like to welcome you to our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope that today's message encourages you and equips you in your walk with Christ. Here's today's message. Uh, Truly an honor to be here. Um, You have awesome pastors. We went out to dinner last night and just fellowshiped for a long time, and um, just so honored to be at this church. You guys have poured into us over the years, and uh, uh, I'm just so thankful. You guys doing good this morning? You're uh, the head, not the tail, except pastor's kind of down a little bit, but yeah, winners, not complainers, you know, uh, the greater ones on the inside of us, that's right. Um, who, has never, who has never heard me share before? Raise your hand. Okay, a few, cool. Uh, go ahead and put up the photo of, the, of my family. So uh, my wife ha- is in Tulsa right now with the rest of our kids. Um, so we have four little boys, age seven to two, and I have two of them here. And then we adopted a little girl this year, and the adoption was finalized a few months ago. So uh, it's, it's something, that's why we kept having kids, because my wife's like, I want a girl. We got a boy, 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 boy. So finally, we uh, so we adopted and we got our daughter. And uh, Amanda said, "I'm already uh, prejudiced, uh, showing a little more prejudice to the daughter." So I think that's just how it goes, right? And um, man, you guys coming to church with kids? No kids class? You parents out here, you're warriors, because I know what it's like bringing little kids to church. Uh, I love kids, so if they start screaming and running around, don't worry about it. It'll just uh, it'll just bring the anointing higher or something. Um, God loves the little children, right? Amen. Jesus said, don't stop the little kids from coming. Uh, and so, if you don't know who I am, I, I grew up on the mission field in my family. My dad uh, pastors a church in Hong Kong, and my brother and two sisters are also in ministry in, in Hong Kong right now. And so, my wife and I came to the States uh, to adopt our, our daughter, and then COVID hit, and China blo- closed the doors, the borders, so we've been trying to get back for a while, um, and I haven't even, uh, my parents have not even met our daughter yet, uh, so it's just one of the, the side effects of COVID. You know, it's stupid COVID. The devil's going to pay for what he's done. Uh, we're we're going we're gonna to take back some territory. We're going to take back what the devil stole, and then some. We're not just going to stop there. Um, go ahead and put up the, the next photo. So uh, that's it. We, my wife and I live in southwest China, Kunming. And, you know, uh, it's kind of wild. God put it on our hearts. Um, he has you do wild things. So we, we had been working with my parents' ministry for a number of years, doing ministry in China, and then God put it on my wife and I to move from Hong Kong into deeper into mainland. And he just said, go. And I said, okay, what are we going to do when we get there? God said, go. <laughs> so sometimes you're like, God, I wish I could see more. And you're wanting to know the rest before you obey what he first told you to do. Sometimes God's, God's the one waiting on us. And it takes faith. You know, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. <laughs> so we, I said, okay, go. I know that's the answer, go. So we moved, and when we got there, um, we found out that in our city, 100 missionaries had been kicked out by the police in the last year, and things were really getting more clamped down. Uh, and through a long series of events, we found out, um, uh, we, we did connect with a lot of ministries and wonderful people, but I'm thinking, Lord, you know, why are, why are we coming here when it's getting worse? You know, why are we here now? And in a deep, deep time of prayer, um, it's like you had to go, and then when you were there in obedience, then the, ne- the next phase was revealed to you. And so in prayer, I remember, I remember the moment it happened. It was so clear, crystal clear. God spoke to me this phrase. He said, your mission is to help spark moves of God and closed nations. And, it was, it, and I, at the moment, I saw a picture of China where we were, 
and I saw a little fire start in the city we were at. And then the map zoomed out, and I, I saw fire, fire starting all over the nation of China. And it's been such a burning thing. Go to the next phrase. So it's like sometimes you've got to take that step of, of obedience to find the why. Because when you, when you, just, when you obey, you know, the, uh, Jesus told his disciples um, to feed the 5,000, and he didn't tell them how. <laughs> he just told them to, to, to bring what you have. There, there's so many examples of Jesus saying, just take that step, and then you will see the miracles. Um, so, you know, 2020 has been, for most people, I'm sure, the hardest, hardest year, but yet it's been, God has been gracious. I don't understand how. It has been one of the most successful ministry years for us as well. And, you know, how does God do that in, during a pandemic? Like, our ministry reach has literally almost tripled. And the finances have been there for everything. Uh, we adopted uh, a little girl, and that was extraordinarily expensive, and God paid for everything. Uh, we've been in the States, so we bought a house, and God paid for it. You know, God takes care of his missionaries. And sometimes we, we think, well, I don't know how it's going to work. Well, there's no way we could have predicted this would have happened this year. <laughs> but God knew, and, he, and there was one thing we did was we were in our prayer closet. And we prayed things out ahead of time. So uh, we, our mission is to train up leaders, reach the unreached, and love the hurting. Um, and go to the next slide. Uh, this is David. He's uh, one of the first people that has really caught the spirit of prayer and praying for revival in his nation. And he was saved while serving in the communist military. And his sergeant is highly illegal to share the gospel in the, the Communist Party. And, but there was the boldness of his sergeant to talk to David about the afterlife and there's a God. And he gave him a book and he read the book. It was about God. And at the end, there was a salvation prayer. And my buddy David prayed that prayer from the book. I thought that was so cool because... You know, you always see those books that have the prayers at the end of them. And I finally met somebody that got saved from that. Wow. That's so cool. Um, so I've been, uh, I've, I was just talking with David. And, you know, he, this is what just, like, makes my heart just in amazement at the body of Christ. So we were talking about prayer and stuff. And he said he has been passionately praying for America lately. Isn't that cool? God has somebody in communist China take their time to pray for us in America. Wow. You know, that's the body of Christ. we all working together. And in this photo, um, he's actually, I'm actually teaching him to drive. And I, I learned to pray on a whole new level. On that. He was... <laughs> He almost hit a few people, but anyways, uh, training up leaders. Um, the next slide, uh, this is a really cool story. Um, I, th I think I shared this last time I was here, but it's, we support leprosy colonies, and not just any leprosy colonies. Um, these ones have uh, started churches in them, uh, and I didn't even know a leprosy colony was a thing nowadays, but there's there's... 18 colonies found in our, around our city, and our co co-workers have, have been going to some of these places for over a decade, and 11 of them have a church in them now, and so we took this team to go, like, deliver some aid and rice and oil and encourage them, and after we had shared, they sat us down, and they said, we want to do something for you guys, so all of these people stood up and saying amazing grace in Chinese to our team and wanted to say thank you for pouring into us. And I, I felt like a, a, for me it works like some, I'll have these suddenly moments. <laughs> so I had a suddenly moment where God spoke to me in a picture and said, this is the power of a missionary. Someone obeyed God 17 years ago and came to this leprosy colony, sacrificed, shared the gospel, and there is now a church here 
and we will see these people in glory. That's why missionaries go to the unreached. And so uh, we've been expanding that. And then uh, go to the last slide. This is something that has been uh, on my heart for 13 years. In 2007, I was in North Korea with my father, and I was 17 years old. And let me tell you, that was the darkest nation I've ever been into. Um, And you just even feel the the presence shift. So you think communist China is dark, and then you you go to North Korea, and it's a whole other level. Um, Just this this spiritual oppression in that place. Um, And it's so closed that if you even own a Bible, you can be taken into a hard labor camp. Your whole family could be taken to hard labor camps. Um, And so when we were there, we were just, just pouring our hearts out to the Lord and grieving over this nation. Um, how do we get the gospel into this nation? So for 13 years, I've been praying about this, and we've worked with some ministries doing stuff, and several of the ministries we have worked with have all been shut down. It's just every, everything's like a roadblock. And in October, um, my, one of my coworkers messaged me and said, hey, did you hear what we're, we're doing? We just were able to begin helping helping send radio into North Korea. Literally sending airwaves, reading the Bible. So this is what happened. They're reading the Bible on the radio in North Korea, and they ask the listener to memorize the passage of Scripture they're reading, to literally say it out loud and memorize it. Because that's the only way you can have the Bible. Um, And so they are literally saying the passage, memorizing it, and they ask a simple question, who is God in this passage of Scripture? What is God telling me to do? And how can I share this with someone I know? And I, you know, when I've been to places where they have no access to the Word of God, no Bibles, and even worse in North Korea, it's really humbling to think how many Bibles I have and do I really take the time to read it when there's people that are dying just to get one Bible? It's convicting to me. Um, because if we really believe God's word's the power to save, <laughs> but yet it's sitting and collecting dust or uh, been unopened on our app for, you know, two weeks. <laughs> we, we have so access to so much, and it's not a condemning thing. It's just a wake-up call sometimes. And that's what persecution can do. It can spark you to wake up. And so, amen, amen, baby. Uh, so we, so it, I, I almost wept when, when I heard that news because I thought, this is an answer to my prayer for 13 years. It's a little step, but it's, it's the beginning. And you know what? Why can't we, you know, God, God kind of put this on our heart while, we, while we've been traveling in the States. We have a campaign called Impact close nations. Go put up the next slide. And we thought, well, why can't we start two radio stations in North Korea? You know, the devil has attacked the church with COVID and attacked missions. And so we just decided we're just going to kick the devil in the face while he's down there and, and increase our reach even more. And so if you're in here and you want to help us impact close nations on a greater level, you're more than welcome to join our team. Uh, and you can find us online, fisherministries.com, or uh, talk to us after service. And, you know, God gave, me, God gave me a big goal. I thought, God said, okay, you know, because I was, I was praying, like, how much should I believe for on top of our ministry to, to send to our, minist- our ministries abroad? And I thought, like, a number. And I was telling a friend that, and they, he said, that's a really lame goal as far as really, really low. I thought, yeah, that is kind of lame if you think about it. Because it's like, what can I do in, in my own thinking? And so God, God has me believe for something that's way bigger than what I think I can believe. But you know what? Why not shoot for that and, and increase your faith? So if you want to join us, I know se- several of you are already partners with us, and I'm so happy to see you guys again. And uh, so just go to the website. Also in the back table, we have some uh, flyers and stuff. And we ha- I have Chinese Bibles sitting out. 
so you can go check those out. Um, I'm going to show a short video now, kind of bringing you into our world of missions. Some of you have seen this before. I've seen it like 700 times, and I almost weep every time. Uh, you may see my father in there as well, and my brother and sister who are doing ministry in China. We're just going to a very unreached, rural place uh, of China, delivering God's word, and you can. Do, it's about four minutes long, so go ahead and roll that. We don't got the video. Oh, okay. Um, maybe, okay. If you want to watch it, uh, let me think. I may have, I have a link somewhere. Um, so just if you've, if you've seen it before, you know what I'm talking about. We go to these places and, and you're just weeping seeing these people that some of them are almost 100 years old that have, uh, are in their rice fields working. Think about it, 100 years old and you're working in your rice field. <laughs> And then they come in and they hear the gospel. And we actually had to translate. They spoke another dialect, so we had like a double translation going on. So we translated it to Mandarin, and then from Mandarin translated it to Zhang. And in Zhang, they have no, they have no written language at all. So literally, they, someone would have to read them the Bible, um, and then they would hear it and believe, just like that. Uh, and so just super moving video. So um, anyways, yes, why, why don't we do this? Let's, can everyone stand? I know you just got comfortable. Can you stand up for a second? We're just going to pray for a minute, get our spirits stirred up. Thank you, Lord. Uh, if you pray in the spirit, you can go ahead and pray. We're just going to pray for a minute here. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. You're so good. <laughs> You're so good. Thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, the greater one on the inside, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We, we, want to, we want to welcome you this morning. We want to receive what you have for us. And we want to step into a, a greater dimension of a calling of God on the inside of our life, Father. And speak, in, speak through me this morning, Father. Because uh, Holy Spirit, it's your anointing that breaks the yoke. And uh, it's, it's your word that sets people free. Father, so let it be your words being spoken this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, go to the slide of Colossians chapter 4, verse, you can be seated. Chapter 4, verse 2. Uh, this has been a theme scripture for me for years. And I remember uh, when, I was, when I was praying about prayer, <laughs> and I was reading the word, and I was coming across this, this, this verse here. And Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer being watchful and thankful, and pray for me too, that God may open a door for the message. So I think about it here. Paul says, pray for me. So right there, Paul says, pray for me. The Apostle Paul, one of the greatest apostles, if not the greatest apostle to walk the earth, is asking the Colossians, the Colossian church, to pray for him. And there's, there's a tendency to think, well, the Apostle Paul, he really didn't need prayer. You know, he could have done his ministry because his, his he was always so, so versed in the Word of God himself. Why did he need prayer? Well, I, why did he ask for prayer if he did not believe it really did something or it really had a power to it? So that's the first revelation you think about. Paul asked for prayer because he knew it did something. It actually changed things in the spirit realm. And he said, in fact, this is not the first time he asked for prayer. Because in, in Ephesians chapter 6, he asked the church to pray for me, that, uh, that I would have boldness. And in, uh, in Hebrews, he asked for prayer. Uh, in Thessalonians, he asked for prayer. Over and over and over, we see the Apostle Paul asking the church to pray for him. And then I think, okay, so what if the church had decided not, that they didn't really need to pray for Paul? What would have happened? Would 
the Apostle Paul have accomplished what he did if the church didn't pray for him. Or, I believe the church really did pray for him. Because look what Paul was able to endure. The shipwrecks, the hardships, the being beaten and left for dead. You know, it takes a supernatural endurance to go through that kind of stuff. And you know there's been angelic protections uh, that were assisting him during those times, and it was because the church prayed for him. The church as the body prayed for him. You, you remember in, uh, uh, when Paul was on board the ship and they were on a storm for, was it 14 days? And then an angel of the Lord appeared to Paul. Paul said, fear not, for an angel of whose I am and who I serve has appeared before me and said, not to fear, for we will all survive the storm. If you, think, if you look at it, the, another time an angel appeared was to Peter when he was in prison, right? Peter was in prison, an angel appeared to Peter and unlocked the door, the, the chains. And Peter was pre, freed. But what was happening at that time? The church was praying for Peter. I believe a lot of times angels come to assist the, the person that's being prayed for when the church prays. So I believe, this is my theory, that an angel, the angel that came to Paul on the ship was because the church was praying for him. Because we have other uh, Bible interprets Bible. Um, and so, that's, Paul says, pray for me. And then he says, that what? What? What is he saying to pray for in this, this verse? To pray that God would open a door. I thought about this. Okay. This is a big one. Open a door. So, like where we work in China, North Korea, closed nations, there's a lot of closed doors. <laughs> I'm thinking, Lord, well, there's a lot of closed doors around here. And the pray for open, open doors. I thought, wow. Okay, hold on a sec. So my prayer helps God open a door. Who's the door opener? God. So when I pray... God opens the door. So if I don't pray, the door doesn't get open. If I think logically, right? Or why pray that God would open a door if he's going to open it automatically? Because the theology I thought growing up was, or what I've heard so many people say, you know, I'm just waiting for God to open the door. Or when God closes the door, look for the window. And it's this very like, God's all-sovereign. He's going to do what he wants. And you just wait to let things happen. And it's God's will. Well, that's not, it doesn't seem to be the theology of the Apostle Paul. Because he's being very proactive in asking the church to pray that God opens the door. And right here, if this scripture can get burned in your spirit, it'll change your prayer life to realize our authority in prayer and what we need to step into. Because let me tell you where we are. I mean, we're driving up to these rural villages. <laughs> I remember talking with my friend. I'm like, okay, so, you know, I believe in angelic protection. I believe in supernatural. But, like, do I really believe it at this moment? Because the village we're going to, the police have already been there and warned the residents, do not trust foreigners. Uh, do not, do not, trust foreigners who talk about religion. <laughs> and then they said, uh, we will give you a monetary reward of up to a thousand U.S. dollars if you report foreign church leaders. And then on top of that, in the last month, two of your other friends have been kicked out of China by the police for doing what you're doing. Okay, now you're in the car going to this village. <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, I have faith, but like, is it my faith now? The come to Jesus moment really hit me. <laughs> How much do I really believe that if someone was about to call the police, that something supernatural would happen and they would change their mind or, or, the, or the police would hear Jesus themselves? You know, you're challenged on a whole new level and what it does to you is it causes you to have a spiritual craving for prayer. That's the best thing I can describe. Because when you see the real need, you realize you can't do it in yourself. 
you realize there has to be a supernatural intervention or it's just not going to work. Because if you don't get to that place, then you're just going to keep doing it in your own power. And I remember when, so I had a very unusual childhood. So when I was 13 years old and my brother was 12, we would go several times a week and smuggle Bibles in, from Hong Kong into China. And after six months of doing that, the team there asked me and my brother to start leading these teams into China with Bibles. So here, these people are coming from all over the world to, to take a week and smuggle Bibles into China. And they're told, oh yeah, so your, your leaders are this 13 and 12 year old. And they're going to, to take you, groups of adults, into communist China with illegal contraband. <laughs> uh, and so then we would come home after that and do homeschool. So we had a really weird childhood from the get-go. Um, so I remember there was one time, I think it was 14, and we were coming up to the border, and so we had nicknames for the border guards that would stop us. Uh, one guy we nicknamed Praying Mantis because his face looked like a praying mantis. He would stop everybody. And this other lady was really wicked. We called her the witch. Uh, so we would like signal each other when we saw one of them, like, oh, watch out for Praying Mantis. He's over there. Uh, and so I remember one time we were getting to the border. There's two checkpoints. So a lot of times I stay in the back and make sure our team gets through first. And as, I, as I'm getting my passport stamped, I see our team in through customs, and everyone had gotten stopped. <laughs> and, and the police were stopping everybody with a certain kind of bag. And me and, the, and one other friend were the last two there, and we had that bag. So I'm thinking, well, so I turned to him and I said, you, like, you see what's going on? And I said, just start praying in tongues right now. And I, I just knew that's what we needed to do. We just need to pray in tongues right now. So we were just praying and praying and praying. We get our passport stamped. And we walk up, and I kid you not, the moment we walked to the, the place where they had the scanners, two guards that were watching people, picking people out, left the room. They just walked away. And then there was one other guard that was looking at the computer screens, and he didn't even look up at us. So me and my friend, we just walked by and didn't put anything on the scanners. And we got through. And that kind of thing has happened over and over and over and over again. And I've gotten stopped six times at the, at the border. And each time was when I didn't pray. And so I've seen the power of praying things out ahead of time for angelic protection and supernatural angelic... I, I believe angels are blinding their, their eyes. Um, so Paul said, praying for open doors. <laughs> we need open doors. Um, and you know, I think the thing is, prayer has changed my life so much, and I remember a, a point where my wife and I were at a place where we were so being beat up by the devil, we just wanted to quit. And this was a number of years ago, and it had just been building and building. We had done ministry for maybe five years uh, together. Um, and we had a couple kids then. She was pregnant with our third, and uh, everything was hard. Finances were hard. The ministry was hard. Life was hard. Our marriage was hard. And almost to the point where you're like almost hoping that your partner stops supporting you so you have an excuse to quit. It was that bad. And I remember one point, I, the revelation hit me that this is, an, this is a, a sustained, all-out attack from Satan. And if I don't do something about it, nothing's going to change. And I thought to myself, the one thing I know to do is pray. And something snapped in me. That's the best way I can describe it. Something broke. And I, I thought, I said to myself, I don't care what it takes. I need to pray this through because I'm tired of this happening. I want our, our marriage to be where it's supposed to be. And it's like this, this warrior mantle came on me, like a, a, a spirit of faith or something. And so I began to wake up in the mornings, and I'm not a morning person. Let me, let me make it clear. I am a night person. But God, uh, or I felt in my heart I need to get up at 5 o'clock 
and our, because our kids would get up at 7. So I knew I had about two hours to pray. And so I, I would wake up at 5, and then the first thing I would do is I would start quoting Ephesians prayer over me, and then quoting the Ephesians prayer over my wife, and then speaking certain scriptures over me and my family and my, and my life, and then quoting what God said over us. And then I would just begin to talk with God, and then I would pray in tongues, pray in the Spirit. And I did that every single morning for months. And I remember about three weeks into it. About the first two weeks, I, didn't, I, I began to feel immediate change in me. But it was about three weeks into it, I saw a change in my wife. And like it was a real uh, serious change. And I thought, prayer really works. Like the, 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 the reality that it really works. And I thought, I'm never going back after this. Because you can grow up and be a, a prayer, like I had been to Rama. I'd been doing ministry my whole life. My life was ministry, and I prayed. But I transitioned from being a prayer to being an all-in prayer. And there is a difference. And we see our Lord Jesus himself was an all-in prayer. In fact, in Luke, I think it's chapter 5 or 6, the, the, the Bible says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And I remember thinking, wow, that, that's our Lord Jesus himself often withdrawing to lonely places and prayed. And then a few verses down, it says Jesus prayed, spent the entire night praying, like all-nighter praying. And then the next morning, he chose his 12 disciples. And so I thought, why did Jesus need to pray so much if he was God's son? I like to ask these questions in my in my heart, my mind or something, uh, in my mind, and then ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the answer. But I like to do all, I, I want to know for sure, like, why are these things happening? I just don't want to assume. Didn't Jesus have the Holy Spirit in him, and he could be led by the Holy Spirit? And he was God's son, he was perfect, he never sinned. Why did he spend so much time praying? And I, I believe that he had to do that because he prayed out his plan for perfect ministry. So Jesus was the only one that walked out a perfect ministry. And look how much praying he did. All the way up to his death, where he wept blood in prayer. The prayer of consecration. Not my will, but your will be done. You know, what if Jesus hadn't prayed that prayer? And he is the perfect example of the believer if you want to walk the perfect life. And I thought, if our Lord Jesus himself who was God in the flesh, never sinned, needed to pray, how much more do I need to pray? The devil will try to keep you out of your prayer closet. And because the thing is, go to Ephesians 6.12, I have it on the slide. Um, we forget we're in a war. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, powers, and spiritual powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We wage war against satanic forces and our flesh, not against people. And so what can happen is when persecution hits, you, uh, you realize the war, the war that's going on. When you get comfortable, you forget about it, right? And when I had that moment of hardship and, and something snapped in me and I, I initiated my real prayer life, it's like I, I saw I, I found something worth fighting for. And until you find something that's worth fighting for, you're not going to go to that place in prayer. It's just not going to happen. And, and Jesus, he, he had the church to fight for. You know, he, he was looking, he was seeing into the future of us being reborn, born again. But... If we just kind of meander in life and say, well, whatever happens is great, and I'll pray if I can, and, um, you're not going to be a real spiritual force for the Lord. Because we are in a war. Yes, we, have, yes, we won. Jesus, Jesus won the victory. But the, there's still stuff going on. And, it's, and the reason there's still war is because Satan is trying to take as many souls to, to, to hell as he can. And so we as the church are the, are the restraining force on the earth. We are, we are the, the stopping of Satan's plans. 
and, and he has to get through us to take more souls. This war is for the souls of men, not against people. It's for people. And in Ephesians 6, he talks about the armor of God, and at the end he says, he talks about prayer. He says, he says, put on the armor of God so you may stand to temptations of the evil one. And then he says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's saints. I think that's 6 verse uh, 18 or something. And that's a lot of alls. <laughs> always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. He understood the power of the believer's prayer. And you know, when you, when you get something, sometimes like a, a, a hardship happens, in your, a death in the family, or uh, like persecution, or these kind of things happen, and it's not those dark things that start your prayer life, it's that you realize you wake up, and it's the spiritual awakening that causes your prayer life to be initiated. And you almost get a righteous anger about things. It's, it's a righteous anger to, to, to realize what Satan's doing and say, no, you're not going to take any more ground here. And you, you step up to stand in the gap. And the righteous anger can almost, it's a good thing because it'll drive you to sacrifice things to pray. Instead of watching TV tonight, let's pray. You know, those kind of things happen. Uh, and actually, one cool thing uh, Side, side trip, I see whole, uh, what I call the Holy Spirit's revenge. Um, and in, it's in Matthew chapter 14. It's so interesting when I was studying this. Uh, Matthew chapter 14, verse 13. I don't have a slide for it, sorry. But uh, this is when John the Baptist died. Okay, so John the Baptist had a very gruesome death. He was, his head was uh, chopped off. And the whole, uh, all of John's disciples and Jesus' disciples heard about it, okay? And then they went and told Jesus what had happened. So this is in verse 13. So when Jesus heard what happened, okay, verse 13, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. So think about this. Jesus, he's human. Like, he's 100% man on the earth. And John was his cousin. So I'm sure they had a lot of relation together. You know, as a friend, a, a friend, the, the, the prophet who was the forerunner, you, you sure it was as, as close to a friend that Jesus would have? And to hear your friend died like he did and was martyred, and Jesus withdrew to a lonely place. He was probably grieving a little bit. You know, any normal person would grieve a little bit if your friend was martyred. But look what happened. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. So I believe when the devil strikes to attack, to steal, kill, and destroy... Jesus exampled what revenge is. When the devil stole, kill, and destroyed, Jesus went and healed all the sick. <laughs> I like that. That's Holy Spirit revenge, not fighting people. No, it's taking back from Satan's kingdom. That's, what, that's Holy Spirit revenge right there. You know, make the devil pay for what he did. Okay, you killed one person, we're going to go get three people saved. And in fact, if you, if you study drug, drug lords in Chicago and gangs, that's kind of how their revenge works. You kill one of our guys, we're going to kill seven of yours. You steal $1,000, we're stealing 5000 from you. It, it makes people second, you know, think twice about attacking that person. Well, if you, ha if you have that as the church, you know, the devil's going to have a hard time. Because if he, if, he if he takes from you, you say, okay, this is what we're... In, act, in fact, there's a church in Chicago that has that policy on their church. If they find out someone was killed in their city, they will go to that spot and get three people saved. <laughs> That's Holy Spirit revenge right there. 
And so it's important that we are growing in our prayer life to have the full ammo and understand God's strategies because the prayer understands God's strategies and you're not fighting blindly. And some of you say, well, I don't have time to pray. Well, you may, you may say that, but you've never taken out your Holy Ghost calculator and calculated what your lack of prayer has cost you in your character and in your life. You say, well, I have a career. Well, you don't know what a career really could be if you haven't had your prayer life activated. And the only reason you're not doing something is because you don't want to do it, if we have to be honest with ourselves. The reason we're not praying is because we don't want to pray. Because if, you, if we really understood the power of it and we wanted to pray, we would make it happen. Sorry if I'm stepping on toes this morning. Um, and so we, we, we have to get to the place where we pray out the plan of God like Jesus did, like Paul did. Um, and for a very personal reason, uh, understanding the power of prayer, uh, there is something that happened in East Berlin in the 1980s. So there was a revival of prayer. And what happened was some ministers, one of them... Uh, who I'm very close with, uh, Mark Brzee, was going into East Berlin preaching faith and bringing Brother Hagen's books, The Believer's Authority, uh, to these East Berlin pastors. And they began to read about your authority and praying of your leaders, and there was some pushback. And a lot of, a lot of these, these pastors in East Berlin said, we don't want to pray for our leaders. Like, you don't understand. We have bad leaders. They put our brothers in prison. They torture us. Why should we pray for them? And, and finally, one of the other brothers said, well, you know, it's in the Bible, so maybe we should just try it. So they said, okay. So they began to pray for their leaders. And let me tell you, it changed them. And it started a prayer movement that actually went eastward into the Soviet Union into many of the bloc nations, the Ukraine, Poland, Czechoslovakia, I can't say that, the Czech nations, uh, and uh, Western Russia. And shortly after that, the wall fell in 1989, East Berlin Wall. It was bloodless, and then one by one, all the bloc nations fell from the Soviet Union until 1991, the Soviet Union collapsed. And what's phenomenal is that... Uh, so about 50 pastors actually went to Ramah in the 90s and shared their testimony. And they said, we believe that the wall fell because of our prayers over our nation. And a lot of people came and prophesied over the wall from the west and said, well, we prophesied that wall would come down and it came down. But I have a feeling it was those German pastors that prayed over their nation that had the most power. Um, and what, uh, I was studying it, uh, you know, uh, Mikhail Gorbachev, who was the, the Soviet leader at the time in the 80s, from 1985 to 1991, he initially adhered to Marxism and Leninism and the Soviet ideology. And by the end of his term, he had shifted his beliefs towards, uh, towards democracy. Isn't that something? Like, a Soviet dictator changing his beliefs over time in the same sequence of a time that the pastors begin to pray over their leaders. Isn't that phenomenal? And that is what we are praying for these closed nations we go into. That is what we need in China. And I get a lot of pu pushback too because people are thinking, well, why should I pray for uh, President Xi Jinping who has become a dictator in China now? has literally created a campaign targeting the church. They have literally labeled the underground church the black evil on the same level as underground drug lords. And they're putting people in prison left and right. Uh, they are shutting down churches. Uh, it's really, really bad. Why should we pray for him? Well, 
First Timothy 2.1, go to that scripture. First Timothy chapter 2.1, I urge, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings, four things, be made for people, for kings, and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good, and it pleases God our Savior, who wants people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings for those in authority. Uh, so I was reading this book by Brother Hagen, The Art of Intercession. It's, uh, the, it's a book written before it was turned into The Art of Prayer. Um, and one of the chapters is about interceding for your nation. And so he, he talks about in the 70s that there, uh, God, the, Jesus appeared to Brother Hagen in, in, in a vision and said, three spirits have come out of the Atlantic um, uh, that have come to take the soul of America. And so it was a spirit of, of economic turmoil, social unrest, and political unrest. <laughs> and then he told Brother Hagen, those same three spirits have come again to try to take, take America. And, if, and so he said, if the church doesn't do anything about it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold the church accountable. Well, you know, honestly, it feels like those same three spirits are coming for America now. <laughs> Think about it. Social unrest, political unrest, and economic turmoil. And I almost believe there's a fourth spirit, the spirit of communism, trying to sneak in, sneak in underneath of it. And the devil's trying to take this nation, I'm telling you. He does not like the amount of gospel that has come from this place. And so... I remember I just I was I was talking with a with a pastor about this like how do you reconcile praying for your leaders 1 Timothy chapter 2 and then praying over your nation and against those demonic spirits coming you know out of not out of the, there's not actual frogs coming out of the ocean um, they represent the ocean represents a sea of people in scripture and so there there's an influence coming like how do you pray against those spirits and pray for your leaders like they seem like very different things. And I was reading this, um, and I had read it a number of times, and the pastor I was talking with had read it hundreds of times, and we read it again, and this is what God, this is what Jesus, what Brother Hagin said, Jesus told him, if Christians had done what I told them to do in the Bible, and they had prayed for the leaders of their nation, they would have kept the evil spirits from operating. Wow. Coming back to the Word. So many of our prayers are not based on the Word. And if I, I believe that's true. Like, think about it. So, uh, why couldn't leaders change their hearts like Gorbachev did? Because they prayed for that person. Either their hearts will change or there'll be a change in leadership. But, the, the, the Bible says to pray for the leaders. And you know what? I feel like the church is not doing, at least to the potential that we could be doing. Um, and I have to deal with it in way worse nations than what's going on here in the States. <laughs> so I, here's, the, here's the challenge to us as Americans. And I, I love America 100%, and I have a heart for, the, for revival in this nation. And I know we're going to see revival. America has not seen its best days. The best is yet to come. And I believe that there's going to be such a great revival in this nation that's going to even spread across the world. And I want to be a part of that. I want my generation to be a part of that revival. But revivals don't come automatically. And uh, so if you think about it, I... Uh, let, me, let me read this the same scripture in another translation uh, that brings even more light. Go to the next slide. This is the Passion Translation. Um, Most of all, I'm writing to encourage you to pray with gratitude to God. Pray for all men with all forms of prayers and requests as you intercede with what? Intense passion. And pray for every 
political leader and representative. So he left out no, no loopholes here. <laughs> and I was talking with someone, and Pastor didn't t- say, uh, let, me t- let me make this clear, Pastor didn't tell me to preach on anything. This is, he can correct any false doctrine I've shared after I leave. So. But this is just from my heart, what I have to deal with. If I have to tell Chinese to pray for an evil dictator, Xi Jinping, using the word of God, we can pray for our leaders here. And until we do, we're not going to see change. Um, and I remember uh, this last month, I was just praying. You know, I have my political beliefs. I'm, I'm very conservative. Uh, but, like, I think, honestly, sometimes we get caught up in political things and, not, and we neglect the spiritual side. And so I believe, like, what, President Biden, why couldn't he have uh, an Apostle Paul moment? The Apostle Paul was going to kill people, to believers in Damascus, full of hate. You know, attack, literally agenda attacking the church. And what if all the believers in Damascus said, well, it's over. You know, there's nothing we can do. Uh, Paul's come, uh, Saul, Saul's coming to destroy the church here, and it's never going to be the same. But, 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 but then Jesus appeared. <laughs> On, uh, in the shining light, in the, and Saul turned to Paul. You know, like, we need to, we need to kind of up our faith a little bit, I think. We, we have to think bigger, think how God thinks, that he can change the hearts of men. And there is a power when we pray. And there's a power when we pray corporately. And I remember I was praying, and I said, I, said, I lift up uh, President Biden and his administration, and the power of God fell in that room. And I felt like, the Holy Spirit is searching for someone to come alongside to pray over the nation, the leaders here. And there was very few as far as intense passion. <laughs> You're like, oh, pray, I have to pray. No, like praying for the person. And I felt like the Holy Spirit hooked up because he had someone to hook up with. And because we're his body, right? The, Jesus is the head, but he's, he's waiting on the body. He's given the command through his word, but if, if, if the body doesn't move, it just stands here, not, the church isn't moving. And so as, as the body, I obey the word, and I step into that place, and then the Holy Spirit, his anointing hooked up, and we, we were praying stuff out. But you know what? There's something powerful about corporate prayer. I'll get to that in a sec. I just want to read one more scripture, 2 Chronicles 7.14. This is another theme scripture, because where we work in closed nations. If my people, who are called by my name, my people, not the world, my people, the church, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. There is a humbling that takes place when we as a church say to pray over our nation um, and use our authority over this land. Um, and I was in prayer once, and I saw a picture of the church here. It was December 7th, 1941, Pearl Harbor. A Sunday morning, people were leisurely playing uh, sports outside, having a good time, drinking coffee or tea. Um, we had so much military equipment sitting out, airplanes, uh, ships in the harbor, and then the Japanese attacked, and the soldiers were so unprepared. It was a massacre, and but after that, it was said by that uh, the Admiral Isoroku Yamamoto wrote in his diary, the leader of the Japanese Navy, "I fear all we have done is awaken a sleeping giant, and filled him with a terrible resolve." Well, you know what? The devil has attacked the church globally, especially in America this year. He's attacked the church. And you know what? We, had all, we have a lot of spiritual equipment, <laughs> but a lot of us are just kind of sitting around. But you know what? I think the devil made a mistake because he's awoken a spiritual giant. If the church will rise up, we're going to go and take what Satan stole and then more. We're not going to stop and just kind of take what he, what he stole and go back to what it was. We're going to take double or triple 
That's what I want to do. Um, and there is a power in corporate prayer. In fact, I was studying about corporate prayer. Corporate prayer is basically believers praying together in unity. Um, and in the book of Acts, from Acts chapter 2 to Acts chapter 7, there are three corporate prayer events that sequenced into three moves of God. And I was reading it, and I thought, wow, I'd, I'd never fully seen it this way. It started in Acts chapter 2. They were all in one place, and then the Holy Spirit fell. So what happened was, they were all together in unity. They were praying. The Holy Spirit fell. There was an infilling of the Holy Spirit, and then a preaching of the Word of God with boldness that resulted in a move of God. And the move of God was to the point where Peter's shadow was healing the sick. Just thousands of people turning to the Lord. Just this revival atmosphere. And then it always ended with persecution. <laughs> without fail. So you had prayer, filling of the Holy Spirit, preaching the word of God with boldness, move of God, persecution. And then that sequenced to restart the, the thing again. So the first persecution was Acts chapter 4. Peter and John were preaching, and they were arrested after healing the, at the man of the gate called Beautiful. And then they, the chief priests and leaders said, like, who are you? What are you? Who gives you this authority? And then Peter preached boldly to the chief priests and elders, and then they noted that they had been with Jesus. Uh, and then Peter and John were released, and they went back to their own company, their own group of believers, they reported what the chief priests and elders had said unto them, and it says that and they were all in unified prayer and prayed to the place was, that they were meeting was shaken. And then they all went out and preached the, God with, preached the gospel with boldness right after this. And then the sequence happened again. And so corporate prayer, it seems like, Corporate prayer accomplishes corporate events, and individual prayer accomplishes individual things. It just seems like that overall. Like, you can pray an individual prayer, um, but, and I can pray for my, my, my family, myself, my life, but it's a whole lot different when you pray for the nation. Then you have a group of believers together in unified prayer praying for the nation. And we see that in the book of Acts. Or praying for moves of God was corporate prayer. Together, they were all in unified prayer. And one, of the th one thing about corporate prayer, it is not coming together in one physical location, but praying about different things. Corporate prayer is unified prayer. You're all coming together in one place and praying for the same thing. The direction the Holy Spirit wants to go. And... There is, there is an authority, I, I was going to mention this earlier, in 1 Timothy 2.1, 2, where it says, pray for those in authority, the understood subject is over you. So pray, pray for those in authority over you. If you think about it, God works in the realm of authority. So I have more authority to pray for my family than you would, Right? Or I have more authority to pray for my body than you would. In the same way, I have more authority to pray for my nation than people from other nations. That's why we have to be boots on the ground in the nation of China to train up Chinese people <laughs> to pray for their nation. Because we can, we can pray for China, but it's only going to accomplish so much. It's until they pray for their nation. Well, you know what? It's until Americans pray for the nation of America that America will change. Amen. And so I'm getting to a closing place. I, that was actually all my intro to my message. Like, I have way more. But uh, could I have someone come up in the piano for a minute? I just kind of want to close with this mindset. Because, man, it just burns like a fire in me that we have to have something break in us to pray ultimately corporately and individually. They're both needed. You can't sacrifice one or the other. Because I see people with awesome, awesome individual prayer lives, but they never pray corporately. Um, 
Or I see the opposite. I see people that only pray together and they have no individual prayer life. And the problem with that is that you, you'll... Let me see how to say this right. When you, when you pray individually, like Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and pray, and you develop your prayer life, when you come together, you can go to a higher level of prayer. Immediately. And if you don't think there's levels of prayer then you're saying there's not more of God. There's always more of God. There's always another level of God in prayer. If we think we've arrived, then we, we haven't learned that much. <laughs> there's always a higher realm, a higher place we can go. And it, it gets to a point where it's like you, you, you begin to crave it. You can crave the things of the Spirit because when you're in the Spirit praying, you get to a place where... You, you break something, and spirit realm is more real to you than the natural realm. Uh, I generally, uh, because I have family and kids, now I, I pray every day, but I designate one day of the week. My wife lets me go into a room and pray longer. <laughs> uh, I generally pray, on that day, I pray about three hours. Um, and I, it sometimes takes me about 30 to 40 minutes to get through all the fluff. Because the thing is, when you start praying, immediately the, the, what happens is all the things in the natural are here, and you're praying out these things first to kind of get them out of the way. And some things that are bothering you, some heavy things on your heart or direction, you know, all those things are there, so you've got to pray those out first. When those are out of the way, then you step into another place where now you're praying where what the Holy Spirit wants you to pray. And very few people get to that place because they're always praying in the fluff in the beginning stages. And you can, you can develop yourself till you get to that place of prayer where you, you can literally intercede on behalf of another. Um, I was praying once, I think I shared this last time, I was praying we were going to go to a village to baptize a believer. And we had gone to this village for a year until the first salvation in that village. That's a lot of commitment. That's like going to the ends of the earth. <laughs> uh, a solid year before the first person was saved. And then after that, it was a breakthrough, and three more people got saved. And so we're going to baptize this old man there. And I was praying, and I forgot we were going the next day. And then I kind of got in the spirit, and I felt this like burden to continue praying deeper, and I didn't know what it was. So I, I said to my wife, I feel like we need to keep praying. And after a while, we had already been praying like an hour and she said, I'm, just gonna, I'm tired, I need to go to bed. I said, okay, that's fine. You know, the disciples slept while Jesus prayed, but that's okay. I'll keep praying. No, my wife, she's really spiritual. She prays a lot too. But anyway, while she was sleeping like the disciples and I was praying, uh, it was probably another almost two hours. Uh, I, I heard myself saying, there's going to be another salvation. And at this point, this is only one person that had gotten saved there. So this was a big deal, and I was praying, and I saw a picture of a young boy getting saved, like the uh, walkthrough of it, and I prayed till I got the peace. And so the next day, I kind of just watched what happened. I wanted to see what would happen. And sure enough, I saw that boy come up, and he was the, the grandson of this man, and I, we said, hey, uh, do you know Jesus? And the boy looked at us and he said, well, yeah, I actually had a dream about him last night. And he's, he said, yeah, I want to believe in him and accept. Now, this is like, you have to understand, this is in the middle of nowhere. They have no prerequisite to understand Christianity. And so things he's describing, like a man in the sky who's white and uh, things of heaven, like this is supernatural stuff. And I remember thinking to myself, how many times would this happen if I would give them myself to prayer? Like, how many situations are just being done in the natural because we don't give ourselves to prayer? And it really was an awakening for me. It, it, excitement to see the power of the Holy Spirit, but also a wake-up call to, to realize we need to activate the church, the real power of the church, the supernatural. And prayer is the, one of the highest activities a believer can do on this earth. So, in closing, could we all just stand up? You can just play lightly in the background. We stand up for a minute. We're just going to pray for a minute here.
Because when we pray, and, man, we just begin to understand the spiritual authority we have, you know, the power we, God needs us in our flesh, because the moment you leave, you're in heaven, and you have no more authority on the earth, right? I haven't seen spirits floating around doing things lately, because when you're gone, you're absent in the body, present with the Christ. That's why God wants to heal you so much. Your body keeps you legal here on the earth. And when we pray, and especially praying in the Spirit, you, you enter a place where you're speaking to the throne of God, and He's answering that prayer back down to you with revelation knowledge that edifies you and builds up your spirit, man, in the Word, and so that you can pray at a higher place of authority. Your prayer is limited by your Word understanding, and so that's why it's important to build up yourself in the Word. So if everyone could just close your eyes for a minute, we're just going to pray this. Uh, just pray commitment to God, wherever, whatever level of prayer you're at. Commit to Him right now to go to a high, higher level. Ask the Lord, what, is, what do I need to do to take my prayer life to the next level? What do I need to maybe change to start that path so that I begin to crave the things of the Spirit more so that we can take back the enemy's territory. And God, we choose to step in that place right now, Father. We give all of I, all less of me, more of you, Father. We want to be your voice on the earth. We want to be your ministry of reconciliation. We want to take the message of the gospel, the good news, the power of God to set people free to people around us and with joy, not with sorrow or like being afraid, but no, with joy. It should be easy. It should be natural for the believer. And we choose to take a stand and be a restraining force, a restraining force against the works of Satan on the earth today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you're uh, and just after the service, if you, if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you want to receive it, you can come talk to me after service. I'd be more than happy to pray with you. Uh, I'm so, so thankful to be here this morning. And uh, thank you, Pastor, for inviting me. Uh, you guys are a blessing. So thank you. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you enjoyed today's message, consider sharing it with a friend. For more content and information about Living Word, check out our website at livingwordfamily.org. And remember to live the gospel and preach the gospel.